episode of Universe Sports Talk here in the Brim Hall. We're back in person. Jackson Payne, Caleb Turner. Back in person, back in Provo. First show of 2022. Uh, let's get going. Lots of good basketball stuff to talk about. Some football news. It's a good, good way to kick off the new year. It's going to be a good one today. 2022. Who would have thought? Moly. Who would have thought? I didn't even, yeah, this is, this, is, this is crazy stuff. Did someone say no loss 2022? We're off to a good start. Uh, ba- basketball. Shoot for the stars. Yeah, uh, basketball games last night uh, here. Well, basketball game singular here in Provo last night. Men's team beat Pacific after uh, a delay. Uh, they got a game postponed against Portland, Portland last week. So it was the first WCC game, uh, first men's WCC game of the season, and it was here in Provo. Yeah, you know, with all the cancellations and postponements that they'd been dealing with for the past few weeks, um, you know, you kind of expected BYU to come out and play a little bit shaky. Um, they started a bit slow. Pacific is always a very grinding game, mm, yeah. no matter the circumstances, no matter the talent level on either side. And, you know, Pacific always plays to try and just grind it out against BYU, and that's exactly what happened in the first half. And then, you know, Barcelo made some shots. We'll talk about that later. But once BYU got in their groove, they looked like the team that is kind of coming in into their own and getting that identity that they desperately need before conference play. Certainly, yeah. The second half was uh, a vast improvement over the first half. Uh, one thing that has still plagued this team and doesn't always mean a loss, but turnovers um, in, in general. Uh, I think it was nine in the first half last night. And eight in the second half. Eight in the second half. So, you know, getting up there again, not ideal. Um, but I know over the break, you know, you, you, you mentioned a couple of times both in some tweets and some stories that, you know, despite having 10-plus turnovers in most of their games this season, um, BYU's only lost three games. <laughs> yeah, I mean – BYU's a pretty good shooting team. Obviously, Barcelo's a sharp shooter. Trevin Nell's hit some big shots for them. They've had some other guys come at, like Seneca and I will pop off and have yeah. a crazy shooting game or just anything like that. And so when you're as accurate shooting the ball as BYU is, it kind of makes up for mm. those turnovers. And, you know, last night they had 17 total turnovers, but they also had 17 assists. Wow, yeah. So, you know, with the offense they run, they're, they're pretty aggressive. They move the ball a lot. Um, it's, it's kind of a full send offense, which you would expect from Coach Pope because that's his personality. Right. But, you know, that's going to result in a lot of turnovers. And the way I see it is, you know, the, the best baseball teams that hit the most home runs also strike out the most. Mm. That's just the nature of the game. Yeah. And so turnovers are kind of a necessary evil for, for the men's team to score the points that they need. And so, I mean, if they can avoid turnovers, great. But it's, it's not unless the other unless whoever they're playing is scoring dozens of points off turnovers per game and it's really just messing up what they're trying to do. I'm not super concerned about turnovers, but obviously that, that's subject to change. Well, and the way I saw it last night was the first half was relatively low scoring for BYU, um, and I think that's, that's the only issue I would say is that with the more turnovers you have, the less possessions you have to score points. Obviously, I mean, that just sounds dumb, but that's how it works, right? So I, I wasn't as worried about necessarily Pacific scoring points off the turnovers. It's just you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you don't give yourself a chance to score points early. And it was a close game at the half, or I guess yeah. right, at the half not so much because Alex Barcelo had those few possessions, hit that three uh, right before halftime, and then Spencer Johnson. That was that was quite a play to end the first half. Spencer Johnson getting the inbound steal well, and scoring there. If you want to know what great players do, <laughs> I mean, great players put the team on their back. And yeah. Barcelo, in the last three minutes of the half, hit three different go-ahead shots. Dang. He hit... I think it was 26-26, and he hit a go-ahead three with mm. three minutes left. And then they were down one – or, no, it was tied again, and he hit a free throw. Yep. Um, not, not a super great game for him from the straight, but um, he's, he's usually a pretty good free throw shooter, and for whatever reason last night wasn't the case. But he did hit a go-ahead free throw. They went up one. And then, of course, with three seconds left in the half, he hits just a j- leaping three-pointer at the top of the, the, top of the arc. 
um, makes the three, turns the two-point deficit to – no, they were down one, yep. so they went up two, and then Johnson just kind of slid through underneath the That's inbound, swiped it away, put it in. And so, you know, when Alex Barcelo hops in and, and starts doing his thing, other people get going as well. He kind of ignites that entire team. And, you know, he had some great playmaking yesterday with four assists. But once Barcelo went on that run – and Spencer Johnson obviously hopped in and made that play as well. That doesn't happen without Alex Barcelo making the three, and it just gets everyone going. And then they went off a thirteen to four run in the second half. So yeah, I mean that's that's Alex Barcelo. That's what he does. As you said in your recap, the team needed a spark, and Alex Barcelo gave them a fire. So. He he lit that John on fire. <laughs> exactly. And as you can see behind us, our uh, our background image is the one and only coach Jeff Jeff Judkins of the women's basketball team. Judy. Shout out to them. They also won last night on the road in San Francisco. Um, they are 11 and they're 1. 11 and 1. And wow, I think probably going to be a top top 15 team uh, next week come out when the poll comes out. I think top 10's coming soon. Ooh. I really do. I mean, if they get off to a hot start in the conference and they're 11 and 1 and they're doing the damage that they do, yeah. It's it's going to be hard to keep them out of the top 10, but last night I think the final score was 76-64, I want to say. Yep, so it yep. looked a bit closer on paper than it really was um, at the end of the game, garbage time. They were up by 20 the entire second half. Though, oh, yeah, so. they, they were cruising. And yeah. the one thing that's just really incredible about this, this women's team is their depth. They are so deep at every position. And they have – obviously, they have four starters who average double digits in points. And then Maria's a great assist and kind of 3 and D assist uh, in, in the guard spot. But – you know, yesterday, Shaley had an off night. Mm. Tegan had six assists, but only had five points. But yet, Lauren Gusson's got 16 and 14 boards. Um, Paisley Hardy goes for 19. So when somebody's off, especially with the offense they run with the motion, even if somebody has an off night, there's still so many people there to pick up the slack. So they don't need everybody to have a great night together. And that's kind of what the men's team is falling into the trap of. They need everybody to perform in order to have their best shot. They don't need Barcelo to be the main scorer, obviously, but they need everybody to kind of step up. They they need people to be on the stat sheet and to do their job. With the women's team, you can afford an off night from one of your starters, and the rest right. of them are just going to pick up the slack. They're just so good and so talented. And, you know, it's like I, I wrote a profile or a recap about the season so far, and, I mean, Coach Judkins has been given a great gift. He's got all his seniors back this year. He has a team that's played together for so long. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful scenario for him. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, we, we look forward to covering this this team uh, this this season. They've been doing a phenomenal job so far, and they're just they're just a lot of fun. Um, great, they're just you know so good, so stacked as Jackson mentioned, and you know hopefully um, that can convert into a, a deep postseason run as well. Um, as we fix some of our technical difficulties real quick, we got a, a light that's going a little bit haywire, but um, you know talk about some of those stars. Lauren Gustin, um, 14 rebounds last night. She, before that game, she was second in the nation in rebounding. Um, but if she keeps this up, she will certainly lead the nation in rebounds per game, which is quite an achievement um, for <coughs> uh, for an NCAA basketball player. You know, considering how uh, just how big women's basketball is, um, and some of the teams that the BYU uh, these players are up against as far as stats go. And then, yeah, you look across the board, as Jackson mentioned, you know, they're kind of, it's kind of a scoring by committee right now. When you, you got Paisley Harding, who scores 19 points last night, but then Chile Gonzalez only scores nine. So able to kind of split the load a little bit, uh, and, and everybody has their time in the spotlight, uh, night in, night out, and on Saturday, um, and, you know, another easy, easy chance, hopefully, for a win here at home. 
2 o'clock against Pacific at the Marriott Center. So make sure you all come out and see this 11-1 women's basketball team. Yeah, please go out and support. Their games are so fun, and they're masters in the motion offense. They move the ball so well. Um, it is it is a thrill to watch. So please go out and support them. And they're, it honestly feels like BYU women's team has come down from like a higher level mm, to yep. play this year. Yep. Like they, it's a bit unfair at times when they're on the court, and they've had some upset wins. They they had the one loss to Oklahoma, but still Tegan hit ten threes that game. Um, they've just been, they they've been rolling all season long. And I, I feel like that's what a team who's capable of making a deep NCAA tournament run should feel like in the regular season. Oh yeah, it should be like like Alabama in football, right? Where it's like everything's just a formality up until the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you need to have that. You know, winning is a habit. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. You know, like the best teams know how to win and they expect to win. So what's the best practice for having a deep tournament run? It's winning in the regular season. Mm. If you just steamroll people in the regular season, right. you know how to win. That's just part of who you are. That's part of your identity as a team. And that's something that Coach Judkins is instilling in that in that group right now. And, you know, when you talk about this women's team coming back for a senior year, um, you know, Maria, Sarah, Paisley, and Tegan all coming back for the extra year of eligibility – they wanted to win another championship. They felt like they were shorted a little bit in the against Gonzaga in the conference final last year, and then in the second round of the NCAA tournament against Arizona. Yep. They they knew that what happened last year was not what they could have done. They could have won the conference. They could have gone to the Sweet 16. They they could have gone farther. And so this was their year to run it back and have that opportunity to go farther. And you know they they're even better than they were last year. Who would have thought? Because they were pretty good last year too. So 11 and one, about to be 12 and one tomorrow against Pacific. Go on and support your, your Lady Cougs because they're lighting up right now. 100%. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the hoops update for you guys between the men's and women's teams uh, as they start WCC play. Make sure you're paying attention to all of our, our updates on, on social and all the recaps we're putting out so we can keep you guys up to date on those. However, in the meantime, we have some other updates on another sport, football. Always a, a fun topic to talk about here in Provo. A uh, little bit of off-season news with some transfers and also some non-transfers. Gunnar Romney sticking around for another year. Yeah, that's big. You know, you're losing Neil Pau. Isaac Rex is a question mark going into next year with his injury. Samson Niku is gone. Um, Gunnar heading for a fifth season at BYU. You know, it's, it's experience. You know, that's their receiver room was so talented this year. So to keep one of those pieces yeah. in the room and possibly have him healthy for a whole season. We haven't really seen a healthy Gunnar Romney. Yep. Uh, for a full season during his BYU career. So the prospect of having Gunner healthy for a full year with five years of experience under his belt, it's hard to pass up on that, especially with Jaron Hall. You have your set quarterback, right? and right. you have a really strong run game, which we're going to talk about later. I mean, you have all the pieces in place to plug Gunner Romney in and have a big year. So um, we're hoping to see him lead the pack, other receivers, Pukunuku as well. And there's some other guys in that room that are going to be fun to watch as well. You know, you got uh, Keanu Hill. Chase Roberts, Thomas Gunther, you know. Braden Cosper if he gets healthy. Cosper if he gets healthy. Tanner Wall, Hobbs and Iberg. A lot of names in that room that are – got some – Cody Hagan if he comes. I mean, yeah. Cody Hagan yeah, could be Hagen. the third best receiver if he came into BYU tomorrow. Yep. So, a lot of names to look at, but that receiver room, if they want to keep doing what they did on offense this year, especially with how efficient they were in the passing game, having Gunnar Romney back is a big asset for them. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, it's been – I think it's good to kind of get some of these – more important personnel things knocked out um, early in the offseason. Um, already have replacements for Tyler Algier in the running back room with some transfers from Cal and Stanford. Christopher Brooks uh, from the Golden Bears and then uh, Houston Hamuli uh, from Stanford. 
uh, you know, kind of, kind of a, a BYU legacy kind of guy. Dad played here back on the 84 team. Uh, brother works at, at BYU TV. He's a great, great Twitter personality. His dad graduated as the all-time leading rusher at wow. BYU at wow. one point. Obviously, that's been lapped a few times since, right, but still, right. I mean, that's, that's some good blood to have. Yeah. You know, BYU just does not lose against the Pac-12. <laughs> Robin Stanford, Robin Cal, love to see it. But uh, that's big because losing Tyler Algier is – it, it goes without saying. That's 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 it's gonna be tough. But yeah. when you get a guy like Christopher Brooks, he's a bruising 235 pound running back, and then you had another fullback at 260 pounds. Um, those dudes are bruising. They experience and size. Experience and size. Yards after contact is gonna yeah. be a big thing, and that's kind of what Unga's. Hmm. That, that, that's been his project with Tyler Algiers, looking yeah. for that contact, just barreling down defenders. And if you can do that with these two big running backs that they just picked Certainly. up, it's a big deal. And then Lapini Katoa is still there. Jackson McChesney's coming back. Yep. Hinkley Ropati is, yep. you know, he could be a factor at some point. So they have a pretty stacked running back room again, which they had last year, and we really only saw Tyler and Lapini. And so coming in with more depth, maybe having a little more, a little bit more competition in camp. Yeah. But – I think the experience that, that Christopher Brooks and Houston Hamuli bring to that room is going to be huge, especially with a guy like Tyler, excuse me, having a good play on Sundays. And they're both coming in, you know, already enrolled at BYU for this winter semester, so they can play in spring ball, um, which is going to be just going to be a huge advantage uh, with just getting these guys involved in the game plan early as opposed to having to wait until, you know, August or fall camp or summer workouts just to get them kind of uh, involved into what's going on. So a uh, great, great move by Kalani to get those guys early. Um, and kind of get things set. It's it's really just kind of the system that's being built here as we look into the Big 12, a really well-oiled machine where, you know, we're looking at things getting taken care of and the the transition from one year to another um, a lot more smoother and with less drop-off than I think we saw in past years. Yeah, and we're, we've talked about this before, but BYU no longer has a good football team. They have a mm. good football program. Yeah. It's becoming a destination for these top-tier transfers. Um, it's getting this national attention for performing and having these – big-time players that go and play at another level. This is not just, oh, BYU has a good team. They have a good program. They're building yeah. something. And it starts with those foundational kind of assets to your team, one of which being the offensive line, which did not get nearly enough love as it mm. should have this year. But mm. they were phenomenal, especially with all the injuries they had. Yeah. And you look at next year, you're going to lose James Empey. He's going to play on Sundays, but good for him. But he, he was out for the better half of the last part of the yep. season. Connor Pace stepped in and was wonderful at the center position. you got two Barringtons yep. who are just absolute monsters in the trenches Harris Lachance is coming back Joe's big Joe's coming back for another year let's go um you have a lot of returning experience in that offensive line and then you throw Kingsley in there a mm. five-star recruit big time I mean what running back wouldn't want to come and run behind that offensive exactly. line exactly you got Christopher Brooks and then Houston's leading the way at fullback you got Mason Wake as well they're gonna run over teams this next year <clears throat> and it's gonna open up Jaron Hall to have a bigger passing season, maybe get his NFL audition tape going. So BYU's offense, make no mistake, you know, you lose Tyler Algier, James Empey, okay, it's kind of a bummer, but yeah. they're going to be just fine. Trust me. They're, <laughs> this is going to be a fun team to watch again. And they're, they're going to kill you in a lot of different ways, on the ground, in the play-action game, in the passing game, just in general. That's I'm, I'm really excited. So these – I think ha having two big running back transfers come in yeah. – got me more excited for the offensive line knowing that for sure we have two huge running backs coming in to run behind an already elite unit on the offensive line yeah and it's going to open up so many opportunities for every part of the offense so big big things coming for BYU's offense this year and one one kind of fun thing to, to look at you know I think 
unquestionably Tyler Algier was the star, the go-to guy of UAE's offense uh, in the 2021 season. So looking forward to 2022, who's going to be the star of the offense? You know, is it Jaron Hollick, as, as you mentioned, who's getting some, you know, NFL uh, attention? Uh, there was that list that came out, you know, possibly pegging him as a as a, as a first rounder, which seems kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, certainly possible. It could, is it going to be Jaron Puka Nakua, who uh, we have not gotten confirmation yet that he actually is returning? Um, He's enrolled here right now. He, is he I, will, I, I have a class part? with him, yeah. so he is enrolled here. So we can assume that he's probably yeah. coming back, but you know he's. Look, he's 6'2", 210. Like exactly. He, he could go play on Sundays. He's right. got the measurables. He's got yeah. the tape. But we'd yeah. love to see him back here for another year, obviously. So you got him. You know, Gunnar Romney coming back. Is he the star of the offense? You look at – and even even the, these two transfer guys, you know, Christopher Books could theoretically be, you know, uh, a Tyson Williams type guy who comes yeah. in and is, is one of the – Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Tyson won the ten, that Tennessee game. You know what I mean? You got, yeah. He was, you know, right along with Zach Wilson, you know, one well, of the stars yeah. of, that, of that team. So looking at you know who's going to be the star on offense for 2022. I'm going to go with Jaron Hall because yeah. when you look at the year Jaron Hall had, not only the fact that he had to replace Zach Wilson who just got picked second overall, mm. Jaron Hall had an elite season. He was top 10 nationally in passing efficiency. Um, now you got Pro Football Focus putting him as a possible late first rounder. Maybe one of those Mac Jones kind of just falls down and right. surprise. Maybe not one of the flashiest prospects mm. coming out of the draft, but one of those guys who falls into the lap of a team and has a very good opportunity there. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not going to call him Mac Jones, obviously, but <laughs> I think he's in better shape than Mac is. <laughs> Doesn't get the, the dad bod, but even though he's a dad. But Jared Hall, I think a lot of the good things that he did this year were overshadowed by Tyler Algier mm. having a historic season. The injury midway through the year was uh, didn't really help him either. But at the end of the year, 20 touchdowns, five picks, and four of those picks came over two games. He only threw a pick in three games. Wow. And when you look at what those picks were in Arizona, in the Arizona State game, sorry, one of them was just kind of, it was like a punt before the end of the half. It was the full sense kind of Hail Mary to Romney got picked off. And then you had the punch fumble from Algier. Yep. So those are two picks right there that didn't really hurt you at, at all. And then the USC game, there were two bad picks. And then the Boise game was the was the fifth pick. And that was just hucking it downfield, trying to make the best of a uh, bad game, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. But you look at what he did against teams like Utah, yep. torched Utah, Baylor. He threw for 340-something yards against Baylor, who went and won the Big 12 and is a top-five team in college football this year, I'd say. Yeah. Probably the fifth-best team in the country. I mean, Jaron Hall flashed way too bright to have flown under the radar for how kind of underrated he was all year. So Certainly. I think next year is the year that you get him completely healthy. Yeah. We haven't seen him fully healthy in the season yet. Um, he's kind of – the incumbent starter. There's not going to be a competition in camp. He can just work on those things that he wants to get better at. And he has all these pieces on offense, a lot of continuity on offense. You've got Gunner again. You've got Puka again. Yeah. Dallin Holker, Mason Wake, um, Lopini Katoa, an offensive line that he knows already. So you lose Algier, you lose Neil Powell, maybe Isaac Rex, but you have so many good things going for you already. It's not going to matter. So I think Jared Hall is going to step up and be a guy who maybe throws for 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this year. He's pretty accurate. He, he uses his feet well. I think we'll see him run a bit more, especially with the offensive line and the, the other guys in the backfield who can pave the way for him. So Jaron Hall, I think, is – if I had to put money on it, Jaron Hall's your breakout guy next yeah. year or yeah. at least the star of the, the star offense. Of, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you mentioned, man, if he was able to get up to 30, 30 touchdowns, that's, you know, Zach Wilson 2020 kind of numbers yeah. there. So um, Against a way – better schedule than Zach faced. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be that would be big time. Uh, I, def I can definitely see uh, see it being Jaron for sure. 
Uh, I'm going to go Puka uh, just because okay. I think, you know, you mentioned that Baylor game um, where, where Jaren threw for over 300 yards. The reason he had over 300 yards was because of Puka Nakua. Yeah. Um, he, you know, three 40-plus yard passes to Puka. Um, basically, it was kind of the, 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 the uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I, I'm for, not for, Tyreek Hill situation, yeah. the J- J- Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, right? F it. Puka down there somewhere. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, every, as, Joe, as Joe Burrow said, everyone knows the meme. Um, <laughs> everyone knows the meme. And, you know, Puka is your guy. You know, and as much as people are talking about Joe Burrow, I think, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit. Jamar Chase probably should be the offensive uh, rookie of the year in the NFL. Dax Milne is going to be snubbed, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really th- I remember somebody asked me one time. Um, it was he was not from the United States and was not very familiar with with American football. And he, he asked me, you know, why does the quarterback get so much attention? When the guy who is catching the ball and actually making the, getting the touchdowns, the receivers not get as much as much attention because you look at a game like soccer, the guy who scores the goal gets way more attention than the guy who passed the ball to the guy who scores the goal. Mm. Um, I never thought about it like yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? And so you know, I'm gonna go with with the guy who's catching the ball here, and that, that's that's Puka Nakua making the plays. Um, like like as you mentioned, he has got the size, got kind of the the sneaky athleticism you know just looking at him walking him down the street you might not think oh that guy's an nfl wide receiver but i I really think he could be um and if he is healthy and kind of puts out uh, a full committed season for for byu next year i I could see him uh you know being a star and the 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 breakout go-to guy for byu football yeah puka nakua is an elite wide receiver he's kind of a layer to that offense that like when when puka nakua steps on the field against the defense he's probably going to be the best player on the field Likely, I mean, yeah. and that's he's an X factor. He's a star. He's a guy you can throw to, and he's going to make those big plays. Um, he's probably BYU's best receiver since Austin Colley. Yep. In terms of just pure yep. talent, and Austin Colley went and played with not only Peyton Manning but Tom Brady. Yep. He's one of five players to catch a pass from both those guys, which Whew. is kind of crazy. I think, yeah. So that's and he got a Parks and Rec name drop. <laughs> Shout out Austin Colley, one of the, one of the all time greats, fourth and nineteen. But uh, yeah. So I think. I think Jaron's the breakout guy for sure. Puka, obviously, I think he's poised for a thousand yards receiving. Yep. Um, and both of them will and go it, on and play in the league. And it's going to be the kind of thing where it'll be mutually beneficial, right? Yeah. If Jaron has a breakout season, Puka's going to have a breakout season. If Puka has a breakout season, Jaron's going to have a breakout season. So, you know, hopefully they can both do well, and maybe they'll be the co-stars of the offense. And I'll tell you another guy to keep your eye on, and we've seen him flash at time is Dallin Holker. Yep. yep. Um, Isaac Rex, obviously, monster freshman season in 2020. I don't. He did not take a step back. I think that's a false narrative. Yeah, they just I agree. didn't. They didn't throw to the tight ends yeah. as much. They needed the tight ends in the run blocking game and the pass protection game as much as possible. And I mean, he he won the Arizona State game. He did win the Arizona State game. He had some big grabs. When when they needed him, he was there. Yeah. It's kind of like the women's team. You didn't yeah. need Isaac Rex to have a big game every time he stepped on the field to win. And he did so many things quietly with the blocking, with opening up. When, when he gets double teamed, it opens up for someone else. So, you know, Isaac Rex did so much for that team that maybe didn't show up on the stat sheet but was still one of their best options. And like I said, BYU building this ap- actual program, not mm-hmm. just a good team, but he's another guy who's going to get an NFL look at someday. But obviously with the injury that he had against USC, his timetable is a bit questionable. It's unsure how much of him we'll see next year. Yeah. And so with a guy like Houston coming in at the fullback position, I would assume that Mason Wake – would be used as a more traditional tight end and kind of take the tight end two spot that Dallin Holker had last year, and Holker would take the spot that Rex had um, this past year and maybe get thrown to a bit more because you saw against USC, he's an elite route runner. He's He's got tight end size and wide receiver 
skill set. Yep. And so he's kind of that tight end unicorn, you could say, at the college level. And he's still 6'5". And Matt Bushman? Matt Bu- <laughs> I think he's faster than Bushman, though. Yeah, That's true. something that he's got going for him. So I think Dallin Hooker's a guy who creates a lot of mismatches defensively. Um, and with three years of experience under his belt, he's always stayed relatively healthy. And having first-team tight end reps to start the season, I think he's a guy who could really benefit from the play-action game, especially when you have such a strong um, running back group that is dangerous and you have to plan for them and a mobile quarterback. He's a guy on these bootlegs and these play-action designs could pick up big chunk yardage for for BYU's offense. So I'm excited to see what Holker does with some more opportunities there because he's flashed at a very high level. Yeah, I would, so I, I, would, I would agree. i say he's kind of a dark horse candidate for a uh, breakout player on offense. Um, yeah, those are, those are kind, of our, kind of our thoughts as we, uh, you know, end of the offseason as we, ha- we had those moves with uh, the running back room and everything, trying to figure out how things are going to shake out with, with the offense. So, you know, let us know what, what you guys think, who's going to be a breakout player on offense next season for BYU. Yeah, and we're excited to see some spring ball this year and Certainly. hopefully find out more of who those breakout players are going to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, going back to basketball, big doubleheader tomorrow. Yep. Men and women's doubleheader. Kind of reminds me of high school because that's true. Yeah. That's what they would do, you know, when you have your rivalry game. But tomorrow you get women's team facing off against Pacific here in the Marriott Center, 2 o'clock. And then men's against St. Mary's, 8 o'clock. Um, back-to-back basketball. That's what we live for. We'll be there all day. Got to love it. Um, big, big test for men's, yep. men's team against St. Mary's. You know, Huge. that's a – a very dominant program within they're kind of the perennial number two in the west coast conference they've had a few years where they upset gonzaga in the title game and they yeah. somehow steal the the conference tournament title but you know that's a that's a tough matchup and byu's held their own against them on occasion um my freshman year they beat them at home they beat them in 2020 with tj hawes yep. and uh, the jake tools and yoli child's team but this is going to be a really telling game I think about what the rest of BYU's season is going to be on the men's side but ESPN gives them about a 66% chance to take care of business wow. we'll see I, I feel like that's a bit I feel like that's it's a 50-50 game I agree it's low-key yeah. a rivalry um <clears throat> it's a very physical very bruising St. Mary's team and BYU still searching for that offensive identity and so I think it could go either way but it's it can be very telling for the rest of the season yeah, you know, both teams come in with three losses. Uh, St. Mary's at 12-3, and three, BYU at 13-3 and three with that win last night over Pacific. So, yeah, I, w- I would lean more towards what kind of what Jackson said, you know, the 50-50 kind of game. W- with it being a home game, you know, give a lot of credit. That's I think that 66% uh, matchup predictor on ESPN uh, is, is due in large part to the Marriott Center, to the Rock. Shout out Rock. Um, with what they've been able to do. Um, even last night, you know, with a, a weeknight game, first week of school, um, against, uh, you know, a Pacific team who's not exactly a headliner, right? Um, and a were, lot of Omicron was, going around campus. There was pretty much white all the way up to the back wall once again in the rock section, um, and there were a few moments where you kind of saw that impact on the free throw shooting there in the second half for Pacific. Uh, so, yeah, credit to them for what they're doing in the rock. Um, we just need them coming out of women's games now. Exactly, which they've said. Imagine how scary the women's team would be at home. Oh, my god! Already being yeah. as stacked as they are and then having just a, a sizable rock section. It's a huge student section. Goodness gracious, dude. Well, I know they've tried to incentivize it by saying if you, you know, whatever seat you sit in for the women's game, you can stay there for the men's game. And it's St. Mary's, so. I mean, you want to get a good seat, so hopefully. Why camp out? We can just watch more basketball. Exactly. And watch really good top-tier yeah. college basketball. So Totally. Yeah, I think, you know, St. Mary's, the one thing that I've noticed is they have four starters and double-digit points. Yeah. 
and then their fifth guy is like 9.4 points a game, I want to say. So they have a very spread, mm -hmm. um, evenly distributed offensive attack, which is kind of the knock against BYU because you look mm. at Barcelo averaging about 17, 18 points a game. Yep. And then I think number two has got to be Foose with like nine. Right, right. Maybe like – so it's it's kind of the Barcelo show and then whoever can scrape together points. So you really need everybody to fire on all cylinders for BYU to have a shot in this game. Um, BYU's defense is – I, I don't really know what to think about mm. their defense this year because they've had moments of just elite defensive play, and then other times they look not bad but just average. Like there's nothing sure. really besides you know Gideon George just being a freak athlete and their rebounding the rebounding has been really good. The rebounding which, which they've said all season is kind of like their trademark, right? Especially and with how shorthanded they are. Exactly. With size. Yeah. For to rebound as well as they do. Even in losses. And, I for, mean, and for it to not be a single person, it's pretty much just everybody on the team is really good at rebounding. It's, it's rebounding my committee, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that really bodes well for them coming into March mm. when they get in the tournament. That's, I mean, re how many times have you seen rebounding be the X factor oh in an gosh. early round yeah. tournament game? That's And that's what their identity is. Just everybody wants them. Everybody grabs boards. Yeah. So I think that needs to be the mindset on offense for them the rest of the year because Barcelo is obviously going to be your – far and away leading scorer yeah but tomorrow especially you need guys like Seneca Knight and Trevanell to come off the bench and add something you know you need Tijon Lucas to not turn the ball over six mm. times like he did last night you need to manufacture these points you need Caleb Lohner to find out what he actually does <laughs> I mean <laughs> that would be helpful that would be helpful other than rebounding as we said you know solid rebounding yeah. team he has grab boards. Uh, but there are certainly moments and I saw this a lot last year too or on the offensive end where BYU just kind of stalls um, and it can be a little hard to watch at times when they when they go for those three, four, five-minute stretches without a field goal. Uh, the turnovers also don't help with that, with limiting their possessions. Um, so, yeah, figuring out, you know, getting those guys in, and I think they've been figuring out their rotations uh, with, with Gideon George and Seneca Knight coming off the bench, Spencer Johnson coming off the bench, who can kind of score in bunches, kind of give BYU the spark that they need on offense. Um, and oftentimes turning defense into offense. We see that a lot with guys yeah. like Spencer Johnson and Gideon George. Spencer Johnson is so good at turning defense into offense. Yeah. I think that's his – that's been his trademark all year, and that's why he's as valuable as he is. Yeah. You know, he's the, he is the perfect bench role player for this BYU team. He kind of reminds me of Zach Selyus okay. a few years back. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, he came into the program as just like Sharp an elite, yeah. sharpshooting, yeah. three-pointer kind of guy and kind of lost his way. And then when Pope came in, he turned him into, okay, you're going to do – <laughs> all the dirty work. You're yeah. going to be taking charges. You're going to be grabbing boards. You're going to be turning defense into offense, and that's what he's done. And, you know, Spencer Johnson's done the exact same thing. So I think the the key, obviously, is just making – just manufacturing that offense any way you can. And one thing that I think has really played into those offensive stallings for BYU is they, they love to shoot the three. Obviously, they, they're doing that a bit better now. Yeah. I, I like their three-point shooting right now. I think they're going to ride that into conference play. But I feel like way too often they either dump it down low to Foose or whoever's down low, Caleb, or they just go for a jump shot. They don't try to find a lane. You never see – I think it's – if BYU drove a bit more, they would avoid some of those offensive drought periods. Mm. Um, I think they have the personnel to drive more. I think Barcelo could drive. I think Seneca Knight is, is a matchup nightmare if he's playing the guard spot at 6'7 with his wingspan. I mean, Certainly. I think – Look, I'm not. I'm no basketball expert per se. I'm not a coach. I'm not X's and O's. Your, your, your dad is though. My so. dad coaches, but you and know. he's also an expert. So. He's also an expert. <laughs> but I, I just feel like if they maybe attacked the rim more mm. without taking too many jump shots, because how many times do you see it's like five seconds left on the shot clock? Yeah. You could drive. You could try to create something, and you're yeah. just settling for an off-balance jumper. But for sure. that's just me. That's what I've observed. I don't know what you think about that, but yeah, there were there were a couple times even last night against Pacific where they would 
just stop short and get like a little floater, especially Caleb Lohner. I know, we've talked about this a little bit, um, but where you would like, like him to just go, you know, strong to the rim, right? Instead, he kind of just puts the ball up, hopes it makes, hopes, hopes to make it in. Whereas, you know, I got like Alex Barcelo. Sure, his floater game is strong. You know, he he can do that, and that's that's what's meaning he he has to do because, uh, you know, you look at uh, guys like James Harden, you know, Kyrie Irving in the NBA, Trey Young, even. They have to have kind of that in-between game to, to keep to keep defenses guessing, right? Because you can't you can't always say, okay, I'm either you know I'm either gonna go get a layup or I'm gonna throw an alley oop, right? You gotta mix in the floater sometimes, and Alex Barcelo does that. Um, Alex, man, Barcelo, I just I'm, I was thinking you know a little We're bit about so this. Spoiled. Is, he, so spoiled, so spoiled. What's what's his outlook as far as professional basketball? What's his outlook like? Like like what is he? What can he? What's his ceiling as a pro? Sam Merrill is in the NBA. Yeah. Grayson Allen is in the NBA. Yeah. There's no question that Alex Barcelo could be an NBA basketball player, in my mm. opinion. Maybe not – obviously not a star. Is, not, I mean, is, not this, a is, this, is the size an issue? He's 6'2". Yeah. I, it's a generous 6'2", yeah. yeah. I'd say. But – But, no, and I was going to say, like, he's, I think he does have the skills to do it. His shooting – is absolutely out of this world, and he still gets like two steals a game too. Exactly, he can defend. Um, and I mean, I've I've, even, I've seen flashes of, of you know with some of the deep threes he takes, you know, a little bit of Damian Lillard in his game. Yeah, you know, and kind of, kind of Dame's an undersized guard for today's NBA, right? Yep. But the shooting and playmaking makes up for it, and the grit that he kind of shows on the court. Um, you know, I think for sure a G League opportunity. I mean, yep. if a guy like T.J. Haas is getting a shot in the G League, you know, shout out T.J. Uh, getting to play with the the the, the Magic G League team. Um, you know, certainly there's money to be made overseas, but yeah. I would really like to see, you know, what a guy like Alex Barcelo who shoots, you know, the crap out of the ball, and that's what you, that's what the NBA wants right now, right? And it's I think Barcelo's better than, I right. think he's far better than TJ Hawes. The only right. thing TJ did better than Barcelo, I think, is pass. Passing, yeah. And now you got TJ. I think if Barcelo was a pure point guard, it might help him a bit more mm-hmm. because he's a bit undersized for a true shooting guard. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, He's shooting close to 40, 50, 90 this year. Insane. I think he's at about 48% from the field, 91% from the free throw line, and 45 or whatever from, from Absur- three. Absurd, absurd numbers. Absurd numbers. Yeah. That translates to the NBA game, yeah, especially today's game. So yeah. I, I say Barcelo has an NBA future. Like I said, Sam Merrill was a great player up at Utah mm. State. Um, even as a BYU fan, I loved watching Sam Merrill play. If Sam Merrill's in the NBA – Alex Barcelo can be in the NBA. And, you know, I, I really believe that a lot of the reasons Sam Merrill ended up getting drafted and having the success he has so far in the NBA was because of some of the uh, the highlight moments he had in March. He had an insane game winner to give Utah Utah State the uh, Mountain West Championship yep. in, uh, in 2020. It was like a couple of days you. before everything shut down. Um, an insane shot. You know, so I think if Barcelo can kind of have that March moment, uh, whether that be in the WCC tournament or an NCAA tournament, which I think he's fully capable of. We saw against Oregon, for example, where he was just unconscious, couldn't miss a shot on a big stage. Um, I think if he can do that, certainly that bodes well for um, his stock come draft season. Yeah, buy stock now. Yeah. John Rothstein, come on the pond. But, uh, keeping the faith, Mark Pope. Keeping the faith, Mark Pope. <laughs> Fusi Terori, buy stock now. But the one thing with Barcelo, I've seen some Twitter debates yeah. over, is he the best three-point shooter mm. in BYU history? Is it him or is it Jimmer? Or is it Tegan Graham? Or is it Tegan Graham? Tegan Graham <laughs> is going to graduate as the all-time percentage-wise yeah. three-point shooter in women's history, so keep your eye on that. But um, in terms of Barcelo versus Jimmer, mm. Jimmer could shoot from anywhere on the floor, yeah. and he was great at creating shots. Mm. 
he wasn't as efficient as Barcelo was, but he was an elite shot creator. From any, and he could pull the trigger at any time. Barcelo, he's not bad at creating shots. He does a pretty good job when he hesitates or when yeah. he finds. But he needs a little bit of help getting the ball mm. to get the shot. But yeah. at the same time, look at how many guys in the NBA have had long careers yeah. just giving the ball and let him shoot. I mean, yeah. you look at Joe Ingles. Right, you look at right. Kyle Korver. You look at J.J. Redick. Certainly. They all have other oh, aspects man. of their game. Dude, I forgot about J.J. Redick. I Alex mean, Barcelo is literally J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick had a very long career, yeah. a very long successful career, where he was starting and lighting up yeah. good teams on good teams. And he's undersized, undersized, accurate guard. That's all he did. Yeah. And he didn't really create his own shot. He was just getting mm. the ball, and he's going to pull the trigger, kind of yeah. like Kyle Korver as well. And Barcelo, is a more ath- he's more athletic than Kyle Korver. Mm. He, he plays better defense than Kyle Korver did. He plays better defense than J.J. Redick did. So I yeah. think when you look at guys like that and you look at he's got to find the right system. Like Taysom sure. Hill is thriving in the NFL because he's found the right system. For sure. And that's exactly what Alex Barcelo needs to do in the NBA, to be kind of that J.J. Redick type player. Because when you look at him side by side, it's, it's the same picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think we might be running a little close to the time uh, that we have on this SD card. Uh, as far as memory goes, so we may have to cut this a little bit short. Um, however, with that being said, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, Alex Barcelo, uh, a, certainly a star, and hopefully um, he can get the attention he deserves. You know, shout out to uh, JJ Redick. I know you got your own podcast, Old Man and the, the Three. Um, great stuff there. Hopefully, we can get some of these guys on the on the pod someday. You know? <laughs> hopefully <knows>? so. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Well. Show up tomorrow, BYU Women's Hoops yes. against Pacific, 2 Merit o'clock. Center, be there. 8.30, or 8 o'clock against St. Mary's. Show up, show out. Let's where, get two more dubs for Where white or LT will get censored by the BYU Rock Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Wear masks or yes, don't. Just right, see what happens. See what happens. Please do. <laughs> Just, let's win some basketball games. Peace out.